0: Hello, everybody. I'm Alana Steinhain. Thank you so much for joining me for learning halacha concepts from the daf uh, from a philosophical perspective. It's great to join Hadran's efforts to uh, continue to spread Torah study throughout the Jewish people. It is incredibly inspiring to see how much um, learning is happening all over the world, and it's great to be part of it. I want to dedicate our learning to the Kohota B'Tachon of Medinati Israel, to their success, to their safety, Bezrat Hashem, and to the return of the Chatufot and the Chatufim uh, as whole as possible, Bezrat Hashem. Wishing everybody who is listening uh, a lot of Chizuk during these difficult days. Our topic today you can find on the bottom of Nunhei Amudbet in Bavakama. It is the topic of being Pater Midine Adam Vichayav Bidine Shamayim. So I might do something that results in loss for someone else, monetary financial loss for someone else, and not be prosecutable in a human court, but still be required to compensate that person based on the laws of the heavenly court. And this is a really, I would say, um, fertile concept to think about, because it raises the question of, what does it mean for a legal system not to be willing or not to be able to prosecute actions that God deems problematic? In other words, what is the overlap, the Venn diagram, between A legal system, and especially a religious legal system, and morality, religious morality. Are there places where the legal system cannot go? And if so, what does that say about the constraints of the legal system? And what does that say about morality? Does it imply in some way that some of those things that the legal system can't enforce, almost that they are... um, volitional, like you can choose whether you want to go that ex, that moral mile or not. So I think this concept really sets us up for that. And what I want to do is I want to take a little bit of a closer look at this concept and how Mavrashim talk about it. And then I want to think about where it fits in, in general, to Chazal's thinking about law and morality, and particularly the morality that focuses on human beings feeling mutually responsible for each other in a society. How do Chazal envision being able to create a society, shape a society where people are mutually responsible? Is enforcement always the mechanism? If not enforcement, is there another mechanism? And I think that the idea of being is an interesting uh, intervention in that question. And we'll get to it. But let's just look at some of the examples, right? We have the Braita uh, on the bottom of Nunhey Amudbet, where Rabbi Yoshua tells us, we have Tanya Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua says, There are four things that a person might do whereby they would be exempt from human law and still be required to pay by divine law. And here they are, someone who breaches a fence in front of someone else's animal. And presumably that fence, uh, the breach in the fence is what allows the animal to uh, run away. And now this person has lost their animal and also has a broken fence. That's the first example. Second example, feif shel Someone who bends their friends, their fellows, standing grain in front of a fire, meaning creates a situation whereby the grain ends up being burned. That's the second example, thus also causing loss to the owner. Third, someone who hires false witnesses to testify seems to be in a situation also where the testimony of those witnesses ends up costing someone else money that would have been rightfully theirs. And lastly, someone who knows testimony that could help a fellow, but decides not to testify, right? Presumably, again, a case where that testimony would have entitled that person to some money or not to have to pay certain money. And because the testimony never came forward, this person wrongfully either lost money or didn't get their money back, which, you know, those are uh, equivalent, uh, parallel things. So I wanna say a few things about these cases, just as an overall for us to think about before we um, go into how the Mafarashim deal with uh, this concept of Pater Midinei Adam and Chaya Shabbim. First thing you're gonna get when you continue learning, Bezrat Hashem, you will get to Bavakama Tafkuf Amad Aleph. And in Bavakama Tafkuf Amad Aleph, you will find out about something that is known as Garmi, okay? Many people may be aware of this distinction and many people on this conversation may be unaware of this distinction. But when we talk about financial loss that is caused by someone to someone else in a manner that is perhaps less than direct, we talk about two different types of actions. Actions that are grandma, that we consider actions whereby you are Medine Adam and Bedine and then actions that are Garmi, which may also be uh, somewhat in um, what's the word? Uh, indirect, but there are reasons to consider that you should be high of Bedine Adam. There are many, there had much ink has been spilled on how do you determine the difference between Brahma and Garmi, but suffice it to say. Our Gemara by giving us four examples of situations where clearly the Gemara thinks the relationship between what I did and what happened was not uh, sufficiently, uh, we might say, causative rather than just being a correlation to warrant that status of uh, garmi that we would consider some of these examples uh, to be examples that are Brahma. But it's not super simple. And when you get to tafkuf, I'm sure that there will be a sheer, maybe I'll get to give it if I'm lucky, that describes the difference between Brahma and Garmi. But that's the first thing just to know that it's in there. Second thing, I want to point out that this language in the Braita with Rabbi Yoshua Where he says that you are pater midine Adam and chayav midine shamayim. So, my question is so you are exempt in human law and you are required by divine law. Now, does that mean you are exempt in human law from paying, but you still did something wrong? Or does that mean you are exempt because you've done nothing wrong? Right. And when it comes to being Khaibadine Shamayim, we're talking about maybe like an extra level, right? Almost like I don't even bin Adam La I don't owe this other person anything. But bin Adam you know, I want to go to the highest level, and even though it's really not my fault, and I really shouldn't have to. Ben Adam I'm not looking to. Um, you know get out of being responsible right is it that or is adam meaning shalim bedine adam meaning i am exempt from paying from human law but i'm not exempt from I, I, but i still did something wrong i did i really did something wrong and maybe i'm exempt from paying because if the court started making everybody who did some indirect nezek or caused someone money indirectly, we would have lots and lots of problems, uh, bigger problems, um, and injustices actually, and forcing people to pay when they shouldn't pay. But really, I did something I did something wrong here, and midine shamayim, even though maybe it would be bad policy for the court to charge, being midine shamayim. I should pay, right? I, I I should pay of my own accord because I really did do something wrong. So the language kind of leaves it open. Oops, language leaves it open. The third thing I want to say is that it's interesting to see, you know, this breita is actually a reworking of a tosefta in Shavuot in the third parak, And in that tosefta in Shavuot, you know, two of the major differences in that Tosefta and, and One is a difference that's just fun um, in terms of context. You know, in Bavakama, you notice the four examples that are given. One is about the loss of an animal. One is about somebody's possessions getting burned. One is about um, hiring false witnesses. The last one is about refusing to testify, meaning the first two are about people's possessions. The second two are about testimony, right? So, of course, in the Tosefta and Shvuot, which is in more the world of testimony, it's reversed. Right, the first two examples are examples about testimony that you decided not to testify, or you hired false witnesses. And then the next two examples are examples about possessions, where you know you uh, bind somebody's um, or bend, excuse me, somebody's standing grain in front of a fire, or you breach uh, the fence and somebody's animal gets away. But that's, you know, that's just a contextual difference between the two. But it, it's also interesting, the language that Rabbi Yoshua uses in the Tosefta and Shavuot is, it's just some, um, I don't know, it's, it, I, it seems to me to be stronger um, language, actually. And it seems to me that it's, it's um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I'll read it to you. You'll tell me what you think. Right, at the beginning of the third parak in uh, the Toseft and Shvuot. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, there are four who are not required based on the law to pay, right? Does that mean they did something wrong, but they're not required to pay? Does it mean that they didn't do something wrong? I'm not totally sure, but this coming language is really strong. But God doesn't forgive them until they pay, right? It's like, that does not sound like you're doing something good by paying. It sounds like if you don't pay, you're doing something bad, right? I think that the Joseph and makes it sound more like, you really did something bad here. Um, that That's what I think, but, I, you know, people could quibble here and there. But so that's another thing that I wanted to point out about these four. And then the last thing I want to point out about these four is really what the Gemara does with these four, right? What does the Gemara do? The Gemara it 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 um essentially says, I, you know, we don't understand really what what it means to be in this limbo state, like in the middle of the seesaw, where you're like not Haibadine Adam, but you are Hyibedine Shemayim, right? So it starts asking questions about each one of the four cases. It says what maybe you should be badine adam, right? Like, what do you mean if you knock down you you breach a fence that's in front of somebody's animal, you just broke their wall and let their animal escape? Why aren't you chai bedine Adam? You should be, right? So the Gemara says, oh, we're talking about when the, it it was a kotel ra'ua, it was a, or a gedder ra'ua, it was a a shoddy, you know, kind of a shoddy um, fence, anyway, right? So those are the kinds of questions that are basically asked about each of the four, like, sounds like you should be chai bedine Adam. And then the Gemara says, no, well, actually, it's this kind of case where it's a little bit less, you know, it's more of a correlation and it's not necessarily causation in the same kind of way to something that necessarily wouldn't happen. But then the think America goes to the flip side and says, well, actually, like, maybe we should have a Habamina you know, that these four, now that we've sort of defanged them so much, then maybe these are, they shouldn't have been Chayab Shamim, right? Like, maybe they shouldn't have been Chayab B'dine because You really didn't do much, right? So they try to kind of fix it there. And I just think it's, you know, it kind of tells you how uncomfortable the concept is to try to figure out why would it not rise to the level of this, but still rise to the level of that. But I want to think about um, this question that we're asking, which is basically, if I am and Did I do something wrong, Ben Adam L'chavera? And if I did, why isn't the court doing anything about it? And if I didn't do something wrong, Ben Adam L'chavera, what does it mean to now have like an obligation, Ben Adam L'makom, to pay someone, Right? So I want to look for a minute at two different takes on this question, and I think that the two different takes on this question of like, did you do something wrong, and even ben adam did you do something wrong, or ben adam maybe you didn't do something so bad, but ben adam you still did, or ben adam you should still maybe, you know, push further. I think you find these represented uh, in different ways by different factions. Um, so I want to look for a minute at the Me'iri. So the Me'iri writes, Katvu wrote, the greatest of the generations, and this is referring to the Ramban, have written, anyone about whom it is said that they are obligated to pay in the laws of heaven, that person becomes invalid as a witness, until they compensate the party that lost financially. What? He says, makes sense to me if you are really obligated in the heavenly court to return the money or to compensate the loss, this person has committed theft until they compensate the other person. Now, what the Meir is trying to do here is he's trying to give some teeth to this Chayv Being Chayv doesn't mean that there's no way we can do anything to you to enforce you compensating the person who's lost something as a result of your actions, even indirectly. Actually, there are some actions we can take. It's true, we can't force you to pay back. But we can say, we consider you a gazlon. We consider you a thief. Until you pay back. Now, this is really the Mi'iri and the Ramban kind of undermining the whole concept of having something that's. But I understand why. Because if you did something wrong, the legal system shouldn't just ignore it. If you did something wrong, kla pay somebody else, the legal system shouldn't just ignore it. Right? So, yes, maybe it's true when we have things that are grandma. Nizik and Netic-Rama, we don't want the court to over-prosecute those things because that itself could become an injustice. So we say your Chaibadine Shamayim to return it. But when we say your Khabadine Shamaim, it doesn't mean you didn't do anything wrong and just clape and do something extra. It means you're a goslin until you do the right thing. And in fact, our legal system is going to recognize you as such. And that I think is really saying that these examples of Chayab Dinei Shamayim are examples where you really did something wrong and the court's hands are tied, but we may find other ways to prosecute what you've done because you can't have a society where people can do things like this and just get off scot-free. But that is not the tack that the Marashal takes. The Marshal has a very different tack, which indicates that maybe you didn't do something so bad, right? The marshal suggests the following. First, he quotes somebody who is trying to give teeth, right? Umatzati katuv bichuva, I found written in a responsum, this is what it says. Nearly, it seems to me, where it says that a person is obligated to pay by the laws of heaven, even though can force the person to pay, even so, the court should push the person verbally. Not, they can't go freeze their assets. They can't do anything like that. They're not going to have an official verdict, but without kviyah, without forcing verbally, they should try to push this person to do it, right? So that's very much sort of in the Meiris kind of camp of let's try to actually prosecute because how could it be that somebody does something wrong and we just let it stand? That's just not good enough. But the Marashal disagrees. He says, no, the Loni Hirali, I don't think so. doesn't seem right to me. Gam lishnet dine shamayim. Even the language of saying that someone's dini adam doesn't sound like you're at all obligated to anything in human courts. So human courts shouldn't meddle. And when I read this, I almost think to myself, well, maybe according to the Marshal's view, it's almost like you didn't really do anything wrong. Ben Adam here. It was so distant. It was so going to happen anyway. It was so grumble. They didn't really do anything wrong here. But, but if you you want to, you know, when it comes to God, you know, we're not looking to evade blame or responsibility. And maybe the idea of being is to push us to take more responsibility, even though we didn't commit the wrong, but you know what? Somebody else lost out, and I should care about that, right? It seems to be a fundamentally different uh, position than the miri, both in terms of whether they think you really did something wrong to the other person, and as a result, whether they think you're even, you know, a bad person guy or a bad gal if you don't compensate right or whether it's just really good if you do right the erie is willing to hold you in contempt of court if you don't compensate while you know the marshal says the court can't even try to they can't even try to push you um verbally they can't even try to exert pressure on you But I understand why the Me'iri says what he says. But I think it's interesting to consider the approach of the Maharshal. What does it mean to have a... Something that someone did results in a loss to someone else? Maybe that doesn't mean necessarily that what the person did was wrong, but we still want them to care about that other person. We still want them to care. We don't want them to be looking to evade responsibility. We want them to be looking to make someone else whole. And it seems to me that in general, when we think about how Hazal tried to inculcate a sense of mutual responsibility between people that there's two basic routes that they go and I'll just give some examples. The two basic routes that they seem to go are the routes of enforcement like we're going to legally make you responsible to do x for someone else and the other route is almost like um Education, I guess, character formation. And I'll give examples of of what I mean. When we talk about trying to, you know, enforce a sense of mutual responsibility for each other. So, one of the things that I think about is I think about the example, the concept. Of Kofin al Midat that we require you not to act like a citizen of Saddam. And the examples that are offered of what it means to act like a citizen of Saddome, you know, you'll get there when you get to Bababatra, I like think you'd bet and you'd gimel, but the examples. Are basically where you need something, doesn't cost me anything, and I still won't let you use my stuff, even though it's not going to cost me anything. Because what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. Stark boundary between us. And Chazal essentially say, No, 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 that's dumb, that's not what we want. We want a sense of mutual responsibility. So if there's something where you stand to benefit and I don't stand to gain, excuse me, you stand to gain and I don't stand to lose anything by letting you use my property, you should be able to use my property. And in fact, we're going to legally enforce that, right? And that legal enforcement is powerful. Legal enforcement is a powerful tool. Now, is it going to make me a more generous person because the court forced me to let someone use my property? Maybe, maybe not. But the results are going to be that this other person will be taken care of. That's very different from a mechanism that's like, we can't force you, but we're going to tell you this is a good thing to do, right? A good example, I think, would be uh, Lifnim Mishurad Din. It's more like an educational character building. It's actually, um, it's volition, it's what's the word I'm looking for? Discretion, right? Dr. Deborah Barrer, she writes this in her dissertation on it. It's a great dissertation on the topic. Hopefully, it would be a great book on the topic. That Lifnim Mishurad is can enforce everything, but we want to teach you to have the kind of discretion that you would wanna do a little extra for someone. You would wanna help them even when you don't need to help. them, Even when legally you're exempt, you're fine, right? And that broadly speaking is like a character development idea, very different from enforcement. In fact, enforcing it is not gonna do anything because the point here is we want you to make the decision to do it right? And when you think broadly about enforcement of mutual responsibility and education towards discretion to have mutual responsibility, of course, each of these are going to have their advantages, right? You're teaching people to have discretion towards taking care of someone else. You're really teaching them to build their character, right? That's what you're really teaching them to do become good people. But of course, it has the limitation of, let's say, they decide not to do it. That's their discretion. They decide not to do it, right? Or better yet, they decide discretionarily to be extra nice and the other person exploits them for it, right? There's a lot that could go wrong in that situation. Um, Maybe a society decides they never want to be extra nice to each other because they don't want to be a friar. They don't want to be the one well, that's problematic too, right? It's not for naught that the Gemara suggests that the reason why Yerushalayim was destroyed, second time does, is because they didn't do, they did everything just by the book and nothing Liefen did, right? But so you see it has advantages and disadvantages and enforcement also advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is it's all transparent. It's all right there. Everybody knows what the law is going to be. You're going to get the results that you're looking for, but... Are you're necessarily going to change anybody's character that way. And more than that, like you're going to have to find a standard that is kind of a very basic minimal standard, right? It's usually going to be the moral floor and not the moral ceiling when you come up with enforcement, right? Like take the example of I don't, I don't stand to lose, but you stand to benefit. What if I say to you, well, actually I do stand to lose because of X, Y, Z, right? Maybe something that looks like I'm not losing anything, At first, we can actually see that I am losing something, right? So it ends up being, it's not always so easy to find the parameters of where is it fair to enforce something. And I think in our machloket between the Me'iri and the Mahershal, even though they're not talking to each other, but in our machloket over, well, chayabedine shamayim, is that something where you can enforce it by saying, you're not going to be allowed to be an aid until you pay that back, right? So it's turning Chaybedine Shemayim into something that we can enforce. Or is in Dafka something like the Marashal says? We can't enforce it. It's You can't even, the, the, the court can't even tell you not to do it. The, meaning the court can't even tell you try to pressure you to pay back, right? And the significance there would be we're trying to Teach you to have your ethamay. <laughs> right? Meaning where it, it might be the results are not always great for the other person, but we are trying to teach you to think about what God would want from you. And I think in general, hopefully, what we've done here is we've basically taken the notion of patramidine adam and haibdine shamayim. And we've looked at it from this sort of broader philosophical perspective of what is the way to encourage people to take care of each other? What is the way to encourage people to create a society where people are behaving well um, and not behaving badly? And the truth is obviously you need both enforcement, meaning law, and you need education, to good character and moral behavior but it's interesting to see the machloket that seems to surround uh, in this regard. Thank you so much for joining, and I look forward to our next session. Thanks for learning with me.